Abba Yahweh, the opportunity to share your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, for the uplifting and encouragement, for those that have an ear, let them hear, an eye to see, but Father God, we speak of the spiritual and not the physical. Father, thank you for the opportunity, the blessing that you give to me by being able to do this thing. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Baraklitos, Aman. So, brothers and sisters, as you just heard, yeah, I get, I am blessed so mightily by God allowing me to do this and trusting me. And everything I share, I share truth and I share straight from the Word of God. And I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, that there are those even in the brethren that don't want to hear books of prophecy and things like that because they get all whiny and cry and then they start talking about doom and gloom. Truth is truth, period. If you prefer to hear lies and you prefer to be flattered by, and I shared that with you before, talking about the flattering lips and by people saying one thing on this side, but then they turn around and when you're not present, then they start talking behind your back about you. And people tend to do that. And there are members of the brethren that do the very same thing. They have nothing better to do than to gossip and rumor monger amongst themselves. And they take great delight in doing this. And there are members of the brethren that don't want to hear nothing but all the pretty rosy things that are going on except that that's not truth because the truth talks about how people are in reality toward one another. And brothers and sisters, all you have to do is open your eyes and look around and see what's going on in the world. Are they going to pretend that uh, Christians and those that believe in Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God and have faith in Father God are not having their heads cut off because of their belief? Are they going to pretend that they're not being thrown into uh, what uh, <laughs> what they have members of the political party that are now, um, they've even used the term, and it's, it's really sad because when I was in the military and traveled in certain countries, they used the very term re-education camps. Well, that term is being tossed around in this country by elected officials. So if you want to keep pretending that these things are not happening and it comes up and it bites you like a snake right in the rear end of your body in your posterior area, then that's okay. You go ahead and pretend this thing doesn't happen. You pretend that these things don't exist. But then when it comes and it snatches you and you get caught, you're not going to be able to say, oh, I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. The same thing goes with declaring that when God asks you, why didn't you? And you say, well, I didn't know. And he's going to say, excuse me, there is no excuse all you had to do was open your spiritual ears and your spiritual eyes and look around you. Everything in nature around you declared the glory of God. And it does now. The Bible tells us that nature cries out. 
I'm going to share this thing here with you. It's out of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was what some people call a minor prophet. Now, how do you determine a major prophet? A minor prophet, I don't know, because a prophet of God, it sees things that God gives him to see and to share with people. A prophet is a prophet, period. Um, I don't know. I think that's a theological label that somebody stuck on these people. But Habakkuk is a prophet of God. And God showed him this thing. It's pretty powerful. And I immediately thought about what's going on in the world today. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. That's pretty powerful in itself. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And you've heard people say that sort of thing, you know, when they're sharing a story or something, and then you're, you're getting all antsy, and they say, wait for it, wait for it. Well, they didn't make that up. God, right here, book of Habakkuk. God said, wait for it to the end because it will not lie. It will tell you, don't take off and go yet, but you will see at the end. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, he is proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell and his death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him, increaseth that which is not his. How long unto him that ladeth himself with the clay? Shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee and awake, that shall vex thee, and thou shalt wait, thou shalt be for booties unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Because of men's blood and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. Woe to him that covereth an evil covetous to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and hast sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth the town with blood, and establisheth the city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord hosts, and that people shall labor, and the very fire, and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor Drink that puttest thy bottle to him and makest him drunken also that thou mayest look on their nakedness. So what Habakkuk is talking about is exactly what's going on out in around us in the world today. And uh, we'll go back in history a little bit later here. Uh, the Native American peoples, many of their lands were taken from them through drunkenness, 
they didn't know about strong liquor. And when the Europeans came to this country hundreds of years before anything happened, I mean, the Native Americans were here. They they weren't brought over by by boat and brought and landed here and then built and settled these things. They were here. And the Europeans came. And with them, they brought the slaves. And they used those people to do their building and bidding here. The Native Americans saw this thing and they did not like it because they saw that they weren't treating treated well. They weren't treated as one and equal. But the land was taken from them through drunkenness because they had no idea of strong spirits. And when Europeans had found that this was true, through some of the contacts that they had with the Native Americans in coming, they started using that as a way to cheat and deceive. And that's what Habakkuk is talking about. Not even just that, but even it goes now. It happens now. Look around what's going on now. (laughs) People are being used. They're abused. And they're being stupefied. And this is... uh, it's not necessarily through alcohol what Habakkuk is talking about, but people are being stupefied. They're being dumbed down, and it's uh, a similarity to being drunk. And I'm going to tell you right now, this thing that I utilize to uh, bring the word to you has taken people from intellect. It doesn't make you smarter. They call it a smartphone. Well, let me tell you, it's not really so smart. And people want to Google everything. They want to go to the internet and they think that that is gospel truth. And then you have all these issues that go on. And I I went through a spell of this stuff. Every time I wanted to say something about the Bible, about anything at all, I started getting slammed with fact checkers, fact checkers, fact checkers. And, uh, you know, talking about false information. And yet, and yet, the false information and the lies and the deception are being poured out in the mass media and people believe it because it's put on the internet and they actually have comments that come back and say, well, they wouldn't put it on the internet if it wasn't true. Oh my goodness gracious, are you kidding me? It's nothing but provocation and lies, misinformation. There are a few that tell the truth and those people get blocked out all the time. You have lawsuits that are constantly going on with people that are trying to put truth out there and they're being blockaded because it doesn't mix with the agenda that's being pushed. Brothers and sisters, what Habakkuk is talking about is happening now. And I call it the dumbing down of society because they think that everything on that tablet, everything on the internet, everything on the computer, everything in this cell phone that they can walk around and carry in their hand is the truth. It's the gospel. Well, it's not. And you have to be discerning. You have to find the truth and you have to seek the truth because when you seek the truth, you will find it. When you seek offense, you will find it. You have people that get on here and they're they're trolling people. They get you drawn into arguments. They get you drawn into deceptive statements. There's scams abound on this thing. Abound. They want you to get caught up in doing these surveys and we'll give you money. You do this and we'll give you money. You do that and we'll give you money. 
the dumbing down of society on this. I, I, brothers and sisters, I can't tell you enough that this thing does not make anyone, it's a tool, a tool that can be used to be helpful. But brothers and sisters, if you are sitting here and you're walking down the street and you've got your face planted in this, you've got earbuds in your ears and you're walking and you go against a green light, walk right straight into traffic, how is that making you smarter? How is this smartphone doing something right for you and making you more intellectually powerful? You walked right across the red light, right into traffic and the horn from the car startled you and then turned to them and flipped the car off because you walked across a red light. You walked into traffic because you were so in-depth into this smarter-than-you phone and you ignored everything that's going on around you. Brothers and sisters, what I see sadly is that this is not being a tool used for empowerment. It's a tool for derision. It's separating I've shared with you about the mother and son. I went, I went out to uh, one of my favorite restaurants and watched this mother and her child totally oblivious to each other except for a minimal contact to ask a question. Busy in the phones, barely acknowledged the hostess that was trying to seat them because they were both in the phone. Text, text, text. You could hear the clicking away at the table and barely acknowledge a hostess who had to ask three times if they were ready to sit down. And then the mother wanted to act like she was upset because her texting got interrupted. They barely acknowledged the waitress, barely acknowledged anyone that brought their food to them at all, just kind of looked up for a second, didn't even say thank you, and then just walked out. And the whole time sitting there at the meal, not acknowledging one another and busy in the phones and they take a bite of food and they didn't even finish the food. What an absolute waste. She took two or three bites of the sandwich and a couple forkfuls of whatever else that was that she was having and didn't even finish the meal. The kid, on the other hand, he must have been starving to death because, <laughs> anyway, um, when I look around and see what goes on in the world, brothers and sisters, I see the application to the word of God today. And people declare relevance to the word of God. And then they want to talk about others that are trying to uh, share a translation of the gospel and the word of God. <coughs> and they call it a, it's a blasphemy. And I've heard that term used on something that I find just to be a, a really enlightening translation of the word. And I've shared this with you before, and I'll share it with you again. And I prayed about it because I actually help the uh, production. It's the chosen. And some might call it an opinion. Some might call it something else. But I'm going to tell you exactly the truth. And, and <clears throat> this is a translation of the word of God. And what I like about it, why I like it, is because... It affords an opportunity to see an actual interpersonal relationship that the disciples had. And you have to understand that this had to be going on. And actually, it was shared in the Bible. In the Bible, because a person, a man, came to Jesus and told Jesus that they were so happy because their, their group that believed in 
in him and had faith in God, they were able to heal in his name. And then the disciples became offended because, and they told Jesus, how can that be? He's not one of us. Oh, excuse me? And Jesus exactly said, ask them, one of us, what does that mean? Not one of us. That they weren't picked by Jesus to be a disciple, so how could they possibly be going out and declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that they believe he's the Messiah and that he can heal and he's given and shared that authority? And they're not one of us? What is that? And that happens today when you look around in different uh, groups. Oh, they're not one of us. They can't possibly be right. Oh, they're not in this church. They can't possibly be right. That's blasphemy. And they talk about how this is heresy and blasphemy. Excuse me. I've seen some despicable things come out of Hollywood and not a word was said from any church whatsoever. How about the one film where they had Jesus Christ was having intercourse and that he had been tempted and he got drunk and they actually, they made Jesus Christ a sham, excuse me, but nothing was said. Not one word came up from the church about that. It came out of Hippocratwood. Nothing was said about that. But here you have a translation of the word that offers an enlightenment of a different perspective that you can see. And the Bible talks about Jesus Christ coming down and giving up many of his heavenly attributes and virtues and came down because he could experience being a man so that his sacrifice would be fulfilled. And he came down and walked this world as a man And you have the relationship. And then you have when Jesus went off, which he did on many occasions, he was separated from the disciples and went off for private and prayer time because that's what he did. And in the written scripture, it doesn't say specifically how long he was gone, but in those absences, and he told the disciples to stay behind and wait for him, and you think that they just sat there discussing what? Twiddling their thumbs and talking about all this stuff. These were fishermen, masons, craftsmen. They were men and there were women that followed, that tended the food and took care of the group. Rema, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, followed with them along the way on many occasions and helped the food and feed them. But you what? You think that they just sat around and they, brothers and sisters, they were arguing. They were fussing at one another. They were people. They were men and craftsmen. And I dare say that at times when maybe the women decided to speak up that they might have been rebuked Firmly, because in those days, the women were not supposed to stand and say anything, and they were pretty much not allowed to do so. So 
I like the fact that it's a translation. It leads to a different perspective. And those that say that they, I saw a comment that they said it was blasphemous. Excuse me? Blasphemous that they speak reality and the very possibility by interpolation between the reading of the scripture that they take this biblically. There is nothing that is contrary. But yet, those same individuals talk about having to rewrite, excuse me, this is, and this is not blasphemy, rewrite the word of God to be more relevant to today. And that's not blasphemy, telling God that his word is not relevant to today. Basically, you're standing down here in your arrogance, just what I was reading there in Habakkuk, and your arrogance building self up, maybe you had a couple glasses of wine too many and saying, yeah, God, I'm going to rewrite your Bible. I mean, it's not relevant today. You're okay. You made everything that's made impossibly in sight. And even beyond what I can see with the Hubble telescope, you made it and hung it. But your word isn't relevant to today. So I'm going to rewrite some things here. It's got too much dark stuff in the prophecies. People want to see the nicey-nice. They want to see the, the pleasantries more than they want to see or read about the, the doom and gloom of the second coming of Christ. Excuse me. Again, what is doom and gloom about the promised return of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who came and sacrificed himself as the Lamb of God, coming as a Lion of the tribe of Judah, as his promise that he would do, how is that doom and gloom to take us from a broken, dark place that's full of sin and hate and corruption and harming people that we are called to be the light, the beacon to draw them to the haven, the haven of what? The haven of rest in God. The haven of being able to communicate and fellowship at church and the haven of peace and rest, the peace that passeth all understanding. That's what we're to do. We're to be a beacon in this dark and broken, desolate place. Yeah, I point out these things, but I also encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be strong on the promises of God. Stay in his word and seek his face. Do not seek the offense. Seek the word. Seek his face. Study to show thyself approved and be the beacon of light to draw those to the haven of rest. A haven is a safe place, brothers and sisters. That's what the word is, haven. It means a safe place, a protected place, a place where you can have refuge, feel safe, feel comforted, and you can be drawn out of this dark and desolate and broken place that is filled with hatred and corruption because they choose to follow and listen to the lies of the minions of Satan and that the seeds of the weeds have grown so high in their yards that they can't even see anything else. Brothers and sisters, we are to be the light of that haven. And there's a term that's used, I've heard people use this over and over and over and over again. I'm a workaholic because I want to have so much that when I get ready to retire, and me and my family will have a peace of mind. Well, excuse me, but that's kind of a 
hypocritical statement and actually doesn't isn't quite an oxymoron, but pretty darn close because when you keep getting all that and you are addicted to work and you are a workaholic and you get more and more and more and you keep following along that gospel of they that have the most at the end win, where are you going to put it? Are you going to put it in a, in a U-Haul or have Beacon's Movers move it to heaven for you? Guess what, brothers and sisters, you don't get to do that. Because just like the old adage says, you can't take it with you. And you don't. And you can't. And besides that, when you get there and you got all this stuff, you're going to have, you, the Lord's going to look at you and say, so your heart was in your temporal treasure and you thought that you could bring it here where you were offered a heavenly treasure and be a heir and a joint heir with my only begotten son who came and sacrificed his life for you? Uh, no, that's not going to happen. And no, you can't come in. My goodness gracious, you want to tempt that? You want to test that? Really? A peace of mind? What peace of mind do you have by having so much stuff? You have to have CPAs and attorneys and all these people looking after all this stuff for you. You lose track of some things. And you have people that rob hundreds and thousands of dollars. You have... You have celebrities that have gone through this very thing and, and what they were declaring is their peace of mind when they have more and more and more. Well, when is more enough? It's never enough. And they have actually had own family members rob them of hundreds and thousands and even millions of dollars. And what peace of mind does that give when you find that your own family has stolen from you? And you were doing it for them anyway, but they had to have more as well. Well, perhaps they saw an example. Just saying, brother and sister, just saying. But then in Paul's letter to the Colossians, I think that it goes along with what Habakkuk was talking about. And how we don't know the season and that's for God only to know about. Only God knows. So you're going to be so worked up about working so you can get all you can possibly get. And yet you don't spend any time with your family because you're so busy getting it all. You don't have time to spend with your children, grandchildren your own family members because you're so caught up in everything else so you can have and make and take and keep and then have the audacity to say, I'm doing it for them or I did it for you. And the reality is the only thing that they wanted is you. They didn't want what you could make. They didn't want what you have. They wanted you. But you got caught up in having more. Paul writes to the Colossians and he writes to them and I'm going to read out of chapter 1 starting in verse 1. Paul the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy Timotheus, 
our brethren, to the saints and faithful brethren in the Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father the and the Lord Jesus Christ. I emphasize that because it says peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace doesn't come from having more, earning more, getting more, and having more than the next guy. That's not where you get your peace from. It comes from the peace that passeth all understanding from the Lord God Almighty, the maker of all things made, Yahweh, and Jesus Christ, who came and sacrificed all. That should be an example right there. He had all because he was sitting on the throne in heaven. But yet he set his crown down and he stepped off that throne and he gave up heavenly attributes to come down. He still was able to read hearts and see and do and heal, but there were other attributes that were given up so that he could walk more as a man We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which we have, which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid upon up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world and bring forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard. Since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. So he's exhorting the church and basically telling them, good job, great, you listened and you heard the gospel of God the Father, Jesus Christ, his son, and you've been very fruitful. You go out and you talk to people and all these things that you go on and you're doing this. As you also learned of Ephras, our dear fellow servant who is for you faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. His will, God's will. As Jesus taught the disciples to pray when they asked him, when you go and how do you pray? We want to pray like you. And he taught them, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. That's how you begin. And his will to be done. But yet there are those that continually want to do their will. And there are even those that will falsely testify that they're doing it because it's God's will that they do the harm that they're doing. They lie, deceive, teach false doctrine. Well, brothers and sisters, if that's teaching the will of God, then we are in trouble.
uh, continuing in verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Partakers of the inheritance. What are we inheriting? We are inheriting the estate of the heavenly kingdom. In order to inherit something, you've got to be an heir to it. We have been made an heir and joint heirs of Jesus Christ in the estate of the kingdom of heaven. How much more does someone need that you got to pile up all this junk down here? These temporal things are going to rust and decay, but yet there are those that continue. I got to have more. I got to have people looking at me. I got to have them see me driving this hot rod down the road. I'm going to take them out and I'm going to get them so plowed at these parties that I'm going to throw so much money around. Habakkuk spoke of it. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. So brothers and sisters, the tie-in is this. That Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and our Father God, desires for us to be in that kingdom. And he loves us so very much. And by him all things consist. I've shared this with you before. They're not just made and you set up on a shelf. Like so many things that you see that are made by the hands of man. I sit here and I look up on these shelves and some of the things that my father brought back from when he was in the military and in in the world. And he's saying they're beautiful ornamentation, but they're just sitting up there on the shelf. But then I get to thinking, now wait a minute. God shared and imparted his knowledge and ability for these artisans to be able to do these things. So part of him is actually in there. So I I try to rationalize that way. Not just that they're just things up there, but... My rationale is this, that they're just made by the hands of man and they go on a shelf. But the things that are made by God, they have him in all of it. There is a part of him in there and they they consist because he holds them together. They're not just there. They don't just sit on a shelf because somebody made them and they look nice and you sit them up there. They consist by the will and the power of God. He made them, and he holds them together. If he did not, can you imagine if God's will was not holding back the might of the sea? And then he didn't lift up the mountains, and then he just, if he just removed his will, 
from everything here. Can you imagine what a chaotic explosion there would be? People would be running amok, willy-nilly. God is sovereign over all things, and he has power over all things, and he holds all things in his hand. For me, that's peace, knowing that my sovereign Lord God has the whole world in his hand. Just like many, 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 many decades, I remember when that song first came out. And then, of course, Coca-Cola took it and tried to make it into something of mammon. He's got the whole world in his hands. Tiny little babies in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's holding it, brothers and sisters. He's got us all. He is sovereign over everything. And that is peace. The peace that passeth all understanding comes from the Lord God and through Jesus Christ. And the word of God tells us that. Peace of mind by working your tail end off so you have more, get more, and you've got more than the next door neighbor and you're going to win because you have so much more at the end. End of what? End of life when you die, when you leave this plane of existence. And how are you going to know that you won or you didn't win? Is somebody going to send you a telegram and say, yeah, when you went, you had more than Peter. Peter went and he had two cars less than you did. Yay, you won. Really? Is that what it's all about for some of you all out there? And remember, don't get all in a twist, brothers and sisters. I speak of that in a general term. If the shoe fits, wear it. And then consider it and get in the word and read. Read what Habakkuk was talking about. That there are those out there that have that. They make it off the blood and sweat of everybody else. And then they declare themselves self-made. And then they take people out and they get them drunk so that they can deceive and take from them. And they can hurt people. Brothers and sisters, it's the reality of the life as it is. And it wouldn't be in the word if it wasn't truth. For the word of God is truth. Brothers and sisters, remember that we have the Lord God, sovereign maker of all things made is on our side and he is with us whithersoever we go. Be brave, be upright, do not stand down in cowardice. Do not step aside in compromise and do not be confrontational because God doesn't need you to defend him. Take a look around in nature again. He created all those things. The mountains that are visible to you, if you can see mountains, were pushed up by the might of God. And he holds the might of the oceans at bay. If he just let go of everything, we would, I think that the earth would implode, if not explode. Brothers and sisters, God's got it all. Be blessed. Be not afraid. Stand up. Hold on to the promise of God. Don't just stand on the promises of God as some people say, oh, stand on the promises. No, stand and grab on to them. 
And I've shared you with you this before. God does not mind if we remind him of promises that he's made according to his word. If you do it in humbleness, bold humbleness, you can come before God and be bold and humble at the same time. Don't come up and get in God's face. That's a mistake. But just say, Father, you told me in Genesis, you told me in Jeremiah, you told me in Daniel, and point it out. And you know what? He's actually going to be very happy with that because that tells him, and he knows, he sees you anyway, but that tells him that you're declaring to him that you are in his word and his written word and that you are holding on to what he says to be truth. He finds delight in that. He likes it. So come before God humbly but with auspicious fear and boldly and remind him of the promises. Hold on to the promises of God. Don't just recite them and say, yeah, he promises to be with us. Hold on to that. Don't be afraid because God promises to be with you. That's what I hold on to. There's things that go on out there, but I hold on to the promise that God is with me wherever I go. So I'm not. I let go of that fear because that's what the enemy wants you to be afraid. And he's a liar. He's an accuser. He's the condemner. Loaded with accusations where on the other hand, God is full of love, abundant forgiveness, and wants to give us peace that passeth all understanding. Have a blessed day, brothers and sisters. I love you. You're in my prayers. How am I going out? My coming in and through the course of the day. Be blessed.